And it's a pleasure to say hello to Jimmy Hyams, working feverishly at the SEC Spring Meetings. Jimmy, how are you? I'm working so feverishly, I got a headache, John. That's not surprising. Uh, just <laughs> You were up and at it even before the Seagulls showed up, and that's saying something. <laughs> but, but who all have you had a chance uh, well, to talk to? Uh, Bruce Pearl today, got a really good interview with him. We talked about... Um, uh, the voice of the Auburn Tigers for 25 years that, that passed away recently, and and Bruce talked about that. He also talked about how thrilled he was to get to the Final Four, uh, and uh, what a great moment that was for him. Uh, and he talked about having Charles Barkley as a fan. He loved that. Uh, he also talked to uh, well, and I talked to a number of people: the athletic director at LSU, the athletic director at Florida. I called Scott Strickland off to the side, and I asked him about three years ago. You were embroiled in controversy with Jeffrey Simmons. And he wouldn't necessarily say he was vindicated, but he did say that he felt like the decision they made was pretty much justified by the fact that he never got in trouble uh, and was pretty much a model citizen during the time that he was at Mississippi State. Uh, so we got Ed Oyser on 101, and uh, that was a treat. I think you'll understand <laughs> oh, him. Had to be. And um, I think you'll understand him. Is that what you said, Jimmy? I understood him. <laughs> yeah, that's who. So... Um, uh, but uh, caught up with him, caught up with uh, Kelly Harp, who we didn't get her yesterday. It was a conflict uh, with uh, Jeremy Pruitt and some others, so we got her today. Uh, we asked her about, the, of course, there were a number of topics. She said that she was stunned that Mimi Collins left. She had no idea. There was no communication. She just up and decided to leave, and she never got a chance to talk to her, to talk her out of it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and um, she we talked about the Connecticut situation and how uh, – she didn't bite on this, uh, you know, I am a saying Tennessee's just another game. Uh, but she said she was looking forward to playing them and that uh, we talked about a roster. And looks like it's set now that she won't have any additions. But she, she likes the players she's inherited, so she feels pretty good about that. So anyway, um, uh, and then there was uh, Derek Mason, talked to him. Uh, got Mark Stoops, uh, talked to him about the fact that he said that of uh, the eight I can't remember exactly how he worded this. I don't know if he said he had eight players drafted or eight players that ended up signing contracts. Seven of them were two- or three-star players. And so he said that spoke to their ability to evaluate and also spoke to their ability to develop players. But he said it also spoke to the players' ability. He said they're accountable, too. Depends on how much they want it. So I thought those were some interesting comments from those guys. Bill Hancock with the college football playoff, we talked to him as well. And he mentioned how... um, uh, this is the biggest gap. 16 days between the semifinals and the championship game brought on by the fact they wanted to move off New Year's Day, and so they had to move it by about three days to get off New Year's Day, and, or two two or three days. So anyway, uh, and he said they liked the idea of bouncing around to different areas for the national championship game. He said, we picked up some uh, college fans in Santa Clara and some of the other venues they had been to. And uh, he said that the venues have been selected for what, the next five years? Because they've already had five of them. He said, so a 10-year package, and then they, they've got to pick for the final two years of their contract. Tell me, you uh, were kind enough to jump on television with me and Brian Rice last night, and you tossed in right at the end some news from your conversation with Jeremy Prudit. What what do you think, Jimmy, about just unfortunately a couple of other volunteers having their careers cut short by injury? Tight end James Brown took a medical. He was not cleared to play and go any further. Uh, Darren Kirkland Jr. was. Now, here's what we, we have been told on Kirkland. Now, when we interviewed Pruitt, John, when we interviewed him, 
uh, a few weeks ago, he had indicated that Kirkland might not be able to play again. Kirkland's plan was to try to rehab through this year and into the fall with uh, James Andrews mm-hmm. and then not play at Tennessee his last year, but then try the NFL. But obviously his rehab was not going as they had planned, as they had hoped. And so uh, he's giving it up. He's got an internship at Washington, D.C., and he will um, – uh, and then Pruitt said that if that doesn't work out, I've got a job for him. He's been a great ambassador for the University of Tennessee. He said that there was no update on Kenneth George's situation. He's been suspended for an incident that occurred in spring break. That still has not been resolved. And um, he also said that every non-midterm enrollee that was signed from the class of 2019 will be in uh, this week, except there might be a couple of them that still have to go through high school graduation. But he said everybody should be fine in that regard. Uh, and, um, and I, I'll tell you that comment that I like so much about the likeness deal where I said, well, they had that rule when you were in college, how much money would you have made? He said, well, I'd be broke. <laughs> so, uh, he, um, uh, but he, he touched on a, a variety of topics. I don't know if y'all have had a chance to listen to it, but about how, um, neutral games can be effective if they're in the recruiting area. Otherwise he prefers home and home, uh, to be played. So, uh, those were among the comments that Jeremy Pruitt made. Jimmy, when you talk to Kelly Harper, does she? You, you mentioned UConn. Anything about Avina Westbrook transferring to UConn? No, uh, didn't ask her about that one. Uh, it was more just about playing Connecticut, but uh, Avina Westbrook going to Connecticut. Now, she, I know she had conversation with Westbrook, uh, but because uh, she had said that, so no, we didn't ask her about that. Um, the the discussion and, and talking to, to more coaches today about the transfer rule. Any any notable comments from any of the other coaches or ads you caught up with in terms of their their belief on the transfer rule? There wasn't a lot with the transfer, although Ed Orgeron said that he really dislikes the transfer portal. Now I had not heard him say this before. He said, "Look, I love my time at Northwestern State when he went there to play a defensive tackle." Uh, he went to LSU and LSU told him, you're playing the offensive line. And so he up and quit. He said, I regret to, uh, he said, I regret it every day that I left LSU. And so he said, I should have stuck it out. And, um, he said the transfer portal makes it too easy for kids to leave. And so he doesn't like it. He doesn't like anything about it. Um, so anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting for me. He's, he was pretty much the only one that talked much about the transfer. Most of the conversation with some of the athletic directors that we talked to was about paying the players. And uh, Greg Byrne talked about how he had a tennis player at a previous school that it, during his exit interview told Byrne, he said, I don't know why I didn't get paid to play tennis. You know, we made all this money for the school. And he said, well, actually you didn't. Tennis players didn't make any money. He, but <laughs> he said the problem is trying to figure out a solution. What, what do you do? Will Muschamp said yesterday that everybody should be paid something across the board. Well, he didn't say how much, but everybody should get paid something. Uh, and, and then Scott Strickland said, you know, we're a university first, and, and we're about education. And he said, so that, that's our primary deal. He said, if somebody wants to start a league where 18-year-old and 19-year-olds can go play football or basketball, then fine. Let them go start a league. But we should be about education and the university first and not pay an athlete. So that was his, that was pretty much his stance on it. Um, and, uh, and, and Burns said, look, this is not black and white. He said, people want to say, why don't you just pay athletes? He said, well, then let's see what the plan is. 
you got to have, and that's been my contention too. I want to see a plan that I think is workable. Uh, and, uh, and I don't think it's uh, black and white either. I think it's complicated. You got tax implications and all kind of other things. And, and then there was a point made by, by Byrne as he's asked this question. Alabama's AD said, okay, you want to start paying players and you want to start paying them for autographs like Tua? So you're going to have a separation. Tua's, Tua gets paid a whole lot more money than the quarterback that's playing at, uh, Idaho is going to get. So you're going to have greater separation between the haves and haves nots of doing that. So, uh, they're just, uh, I think it's complicated. I do. Others don't, but I think it is. And, um, so that, but that was, that was the topic that was hit by a whole lot of, um, athletic directors during their time here as they met with the media. Well, Jimmy, you mentioned the uh, AD saying, well, people want to start their own leagues where they could go there instead. Well, that's happening with the G League, with the NBA. But once star players start going there, if that happens, then that'll be a problem for the NCAA if they don't get good players and if they go elsewhere. Then it will become an issue and not just about being a student athlete. Maybe. Because uh, for years you had the one you had players that went directly from high school to the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And then they cut that out. So during that time frame, did you feel like college basketball sucked? Was it bad during that time? I didn't think so. Uh, so no. would you be would you be losing athletes? Yes, you would. You could lose some. That's one of the things Seth Greenberg didn't like. He didn't like the idea that someone could make one hundred fifty thousand by going to a G League. So I, yeah, would you could you have that? Yes, you're going to lose some. Also, when the NBA eventually goes back to allowing what 18 year olds to go, so you're going to have some directly out of high school that leave. But I don't think that the product is going to be deteriorated to the point where you say we can't. Th- this is not a good product. Do you? No, I don't think it goes to the other extreme of it sucks or it's not a good product. It just takes away from the product, which is the unfortunate part of it to to me, the way I look at it. Yeah, I think it, I think. Well, look, I've mentioned this before. One of the things I liked about the the one and done rule was I got to see Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett for a year, and I got to see Anthony Davis, and I got to see Kevin Durant in college because I watched college basketball a whole lot more than I watched the NBA. Mm-hmm. So that I appreciate. Uh, but, yeah, well, if, if a lot of these guys want to go to a G League, that's going to happen. I guess that, could, that would happen. And I wonder how many that would be. Would it be eight or would it be 80? Right. And if it's 80, you've got a huge problem, Ben. Yeah. I'm in your camp if it's that many. Uh, I do think that some of them do have some value of an education that they would like. By the way, Rick Barnes said that uh, Josiah James could potentially be a one and done, but he's not coming to Tennessee with that on his mind. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do think that there's potential for that. But I, again, I get back to this until I see a pay for play for the student athlete right now, that makes sense. I'm not in favor of it. So you, maybe you got to, maybe you need to be on a, you can come up with a good plan. Ben. <laughs> I need some, you can have one. I need some free time to come up with a plan, Jimmy. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get that first. Hey, real quick. You were yeah, talking I'm about, you, up on that. <laughs> you were talking about the big picture issues that some of the ADs are willing to talk about. Uh, was yeah. Phil, Philip Fulmer wasn't really willing to talk about any of those big picture things, was he? No, I tried. <laughs> uh, and I think his feeling was that he didn't want to supersede his new chancellor. Mm. She's coming down here and she's going to be voting on these issues. And while I think he does have opinions on some of these things, I think he stayed away. Now, he jumped. I don't know if y'all have heard the interview or played it yet, but the, the thing he felt most comfortable talking about was how good of a job Tony Vitello has done. Yeah. 
and how good of a job he thinks some of the other sports programs are doing. So he was he was in on that. But as far as paying athletes or or alcohol sales, he he did not want to venture an opinion on those uh, because I think he wants to to let the the new chancellor of UT handle that on Friday. That's when the votes will take place. I've mentioned this before. I do think they're going to allow alcohol in um, non-premium seat areas in the SEC. I, I do think that's coming. That's what I've been led to believe. Several people have told me that that's what they think will happen. So I, I think it will happen on Friday. What did you take from the conversation with Greg Sankey last night? Well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, he spent so much time on reviewing officiating. And he said that um, that the study revealed that the SEC still has what he considered the best officiating in the country, but it doesn't mean it can't get better. And so they are trying everything they can in that regard. He was also asked about the transparency. Why don't you have an official answer a question after a game about something? And he said, well, Steve Shaw did answer questions about the LSU-Texas A&M game. They went seven overtimes and had controversial calls. And he said, when we did the study, every one of those calls was correct. I'm not sure Ed Orgeron agreed, but he said every one of those calls were correct. And so he said that there are certain situations where they'll be more transparent, but they're not willing to have some pool reporter go to officials after a game and ask them about some of the controversial calls. He said they're not to that point yet uh, in terms of the, quote, transparency. But he, he said there was an extensive study done, and we're going to meet with Steve Shaw tomorrow evening or tomorrow late afternoon and uh, to talk about that and get his take on what, that, what the study uh, revealed. Anything else, Jimmy? That's pretty much it. Uh, we've still got some more interviews. We'll have Greg Sankey a little bit later today. Uh, I got Derek Mason talked to him about beating Tennessee three years in a row, said that he thought that's helped recruiting within the state. Uh, but um, a lot of if I can get this thing computer to work, you'll have a lot of more interviews for today. <laughs> and I do want to thank the folks that made this trip possible. That's Fleet Tire. If you flat them, they'll fix them. Now, I'm down here in a Rick McGill van. I appreciate him doing that. My goal is to not have a flat, so Fleet Tire doesn't have to help me fix it. Uh, and I also want to thank our other sponsor, UT Athletics. Uh, they appreciate the fans' loyalty all those years. So those are our sponsors to make this trip possible. All right, Jimmy. We sure do appreciate it. We'll catch up with you in about an hour. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Jimmy Hyams from the SEC Spring Meeting.